0: Governor Jay Inslee temporarily closing bars, restaurants, entertainment venues. Events of 50 people or more are now banned. The size limit had been 250 before that. In fact, the federal guidelines now are about 10 people. The governor tweeting out a reminder of what the ban includes. Things like kids sports, clubs, as well as hair salons, bowling alleys, fitness centers, closed down, weddings and funerals also on the list here. Restaurants can still offer takeout, delivery and drive through And grocery stores, gas stations, golf courses are open right now. Little column A, little column B. First of all, I just want to tell you what a great show you've I I listen to you all the time. Thank you, thank you. What do you want to talk about? Hey, did I tell you guys I got a goat? Yeah, baby! (laughs) Well, good morning, good evening, or good afternoon, wherever you are, whatever you do. A lot of things happening in the world today. Most of them are far beyond our control, you might say. So, perhaps it's time we took a pause and thought about life, and thought about the laws of gravity, culture, science, politics, and or the news. Don't touch that dial, just try to hear me out for a little while. Well, if there was a tornado or a mass shooter, there isn't anybody who would have anything to say about a shelter-in-place order, would there? The danger here, however, is not visible to the unaided human eye, so already there's carping about the new directives. It's literally nothing new. But once again, lessons we've long learned ago, long ago learned, have been forgotten what else is new I'm right here's how you get a hold of me the text machine is area code 209-565-DAVE that's 209-565-3283 email dave at show.com. and of course we're on the web just look for The Dave Bowman Show on Facebook Twitter iTunes or whatever preferred non-denominational web search browser you use Eagle Beberry Kapulus and Olive I drink coffee so that others might live well how are you holding up <laughs> See, I work in a critical industry That's what groceries are now Critical industry, critical infrastructure And uh, let me tell you, it's been busy And I will say this I said it on my Facebook page the other night And I'll say it again If you're one of these idiots that's hoarding, hoarding water And other heavy canned food items And that kind of stuff And you order 17 freaking cases of water Go get it yourself Don't expect us drivers to lug that up to your third-story apartment where the water's still on. So you don't actually need 17 cases of water. And if you do want it, then you come down and get it. It's crazy. Anyway, people are are losing their minds, as we've been talking about. One of the things that intrigues me about this whole thing, I mean, okay, everybody has something to say about it. Whether you're a conspiracy theorist, whether you're not a conspiracy theorist, whether you're... this or that it doesn't really matter everybody's got some opinion about this whole thing i think what's most fascinating to me about it though from a a purely fascinating purely fascination standpoint is what i have noticed there are two things that i have noticed in in all of this that cause me to realize that a lot of times our discussions a lot of times our talks a lot of times what we say it comes from our our heads, but not our hearts. Well, I guess that's, uh, you know, it, it's something we say we believe, but we don't really believe it. When, when push comes to shove, we don't really believe it. The two things I've learned, number one, it's fascinating to me how Republicans and even some libertarians, not all of them, but a lot of the prominent libertarians, have discovered Keynesian economics. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not kidding. I mean the The idea of government spending to stimulate the economy, I, I listened to a very prominent libertarian show the other night. If if I told you the name, you'd know it. I listened to a very prominent libertarian slash Republican explain why this was not only not only necessary, but this was great. This was this was forward thinking, Keynesian economic. Give everybody a thousand dollar check. Now, again, however you feel about that is commentary on you more than it is on the the program the you know there isn't anybody that isn't going to cash their check there isn't anybody that's not going to spend that money nah, it's an emergency maybe Keynesian economics in time of emergency is okay it's a it's remarkable to me how many republicans and or libertarians have suddenly discovered that the other the flip side of that however is how many democrats and how many far leftists have suddenly discovered federalism Oh, federalism is great. Federalism works fantastic, except for Cuomo, of course. Cuomo um, was on was in the New York Times last week screaming at the president for not activating the entire National Guard. We need we need the National Guard. And my my question to Mario Cuomo was doesn't New York have its own National Guard? Can't you activate it in your state and use it however you see fit? You can. He just doesn't want to pay for it. <laughs> so The rest of them, however, are discovering federalism. And that's really the direction I want to look at things today. Um, I could spend a lot of time on the Keynesian economics of the Republicans and Libertarians, but others will do that and have already begun to do that. Uh, And ultimately, it's not going to change anything. I was very concerned back in the summertime about an event that was going on. The event was in the news every day, and everybody everybody had an opinion about it. Everybody had a... Is something to say about it. You remember the immigrant caravan coming from South America, Central America, to the United States, and it was going to arrive. It was time just to arrive in time for the, for the midterm elections, and it just sort of fizzled out because these things always do. But do you remember the reactions to it? Okay, some people were screaming that it was, it was an invasion, and other people were screaming that it was a humanitarian thing. We had to do something, and Jesus would want us to do this. And I was very concerned at the time. And we actually did a show about this. We were—I was very concerned at the time about the language that was being used to describe this immigrant caravan. In that time frame, President Trump referred to the migrant caravan as an invasion, and there was a great deal of discussion at that time. And he threatened to use the military to stop it, which of course raised questions about posse comitatus and 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 things like that, and and raised all kinds of issues. And I was I. I remember talking about this cuz Buster and I were texting back and forth about it later on. I was very concerned about the language that was being used to describe this immigrant caravan. Not because I was in favor of the caravan, that's not the point. I was whether I was for it or against it is irrelevant. The language that was being used to describe it was very militant, very military. Very much a an invasion, a national existential threat of an invasion, an armed, you know, as I recall, wasn't there a tweet from the president or somebody about what do, you call, what do you call people who don't live there crossing the border forcibly? You call it an invasion so you can use the military to do this. Now, again, whether you agree with that or not is not really the relevant point I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is we used language to describe something that was, in fact, Not a military invasion as a military invasion. And for the most part, at least on the the right, we accepted that definition. We said, okay, we likened it to it and we began to use those words. And we see something similar right now. Uh, Again, I'm not I'm not pro or anti anything here. Well, I am, but I'm not going to it's not the point of what I'm trying to say. The, The Wuhan virus, the Chinese virus, the president is going out of his way to say Chinese virus. I don't know if you've noticed that or not not unlike uh, President George Herbert Walker Bush, who used to constantly refer to Saddam Hussein. You remember, those of you that are old enough to remember, you remember those press conferences uh, during Desert Storm or Desert Shield and Desert Storm? Saddam Hussein. Saddam. Hussein, Not Saddam. Saddam. And there was a very distinct reason why he was doing that. Saddam was an insult. And he knew it. Saddam Hussein knew it. And Everybody else just kind of sat there in the office. And went, you can get dumb tax and can't chase the damn. Trump is kind of doing the same thing with the Chinese virus. Put all that aside for the moment and consider for a moment the language that was used to describe the American Caravan. And have you noticed, or am I the only one that has noticed subtle referrals to the coronavirus? In militaristic type terms, we've been invaded, you know, by this virus. This virus is an invasion, just like the body. And, you know, we have to we have to fight against this. We have to fight against the we have to fight against guns. We have to fight against climate change. We have to fight against the virus. And there's a there's almost a sub context, if you will, in a very militaristic manner. Now, again, I get that we use language that way and I get it's a. Uh, a way of describing things that people relate to. I understand all that. But when you start using language that way, you open up doors, don't you? You, 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 by necessity, open up those doors. State of Washington, where I currently live, uh, the governor, as you heard at the top of the show, has announced shutdowns. He's mandated these things shutting down. He's mandated schools being closed uh, for six weeks, <laughs> down to five weeks in one day now, uh, for the record. I, I believe they're done for the year, but that's neither here nor there. But he's closed dining restaurants and food courts, coffee shops, donut shops, donut shops. <laughs> that sucks. Uh, nail salons, t- tattoo pliers, beauty salons. That's really hurting some of my family members. Uh, bowling alleys, gyms, museums, youth and sports clubs. all that stuff has been shut down. And all gatherings over 50 people have been verboten and. For the most part, Washingtonians. Now, I'm not speaking for all Washingtonians, but for the most part, Washingtonians have gone along with this. Now, there are some people who are very much, you know, this is nonsense, this is overreacting. I get it, but for the most part, we've we've stuck to that. It's intriguing to me that the grocery stores have now become social places. Down in California, six Bay Area counties enacted a, stay, a shelter in place for order for all residents uh, over 65, uh, or all well, residents, I guess, and uh, Marin, Marin County, <laughs> Marin County. <laughs> See, <laughs> that was a real mispronunciation. Contra Costa, Alameda, Santa Clara, and San Mateo counties have a shelter in place, and even my old home, uh, Manteca, wanted people to shelter in place. It was voluntary, but City of Manteca res- recommends that all residents stay home. And of course, this has led to some some questions. One of the op-ed editors of the Wall Street Journal, a guy by the name of Matthew Hennessy, tweeted the other day, I didn't realize we lived in a country where a local political official could order private businesses closed. And that sort of is some of the reaction. I mean, there are people that are reacting to it that way. But as a general rule of thumb, most people are, I don't want to say accepting, but they're not, they're, there isn't a lot of, there aren't people in the streets with, with pitchforks and, and, Torches going where, hell no, we won't comply. There's no, there's no we won't comply Facebook group that I've found yet for, for, the, for the coronavirus restrictions. We've sort of accepted it. We've sort of moved in that direction. We've sort of gone, okay, it is what it is, and that's the way it is. Now, that's not to say that there isn't some discussion and debate about this. The idea that how in the world can a state just do this? How can the state shut down? restaurants, bars, people's livelihoods. Here they're talking about well over 150,000 jobs probably going to disappear and not come back if this goes another week. That's scary in and of itself, but imagine that around the country. Now, again, there are conspiracy theories out the wazoo. This isn't about those conspiracy theories. It, what you believe about why this is happening now, I get I get that some of you have some some beliefs about this, and that's fine. My question is more, fundamentally, Constitution, how can we do that? How can a state do this? And how can a state decide? How can a governor decide to do that? And the reaction of the federal government and the rest of the 50 states, you know, the other 49 states, 48 states, whatever it is, isn't outrage. It isn't screaming and yelling. It isn't, nobody's, I was wrong, nobody's rushing to the, uh, to the court systems to file federal injunctions to stop it. None of that's happening. Why? Well, go back to what I was talking about. Republicans have discovered Keynesian economics. Libertarians have discovered Keynesian economics. They're all so excited about the idea of spending money, <coughs> buying votes, <coughs> that this is an opportunity never let a good crisis go to waste, that they're not sticking to their values. The left, Democrats, uh, politicians, are discovering federalism to their own advantage now. <laughs> see? Federalism, when used by Republican governors and Republican states, is bad. When used by Democrat governors and Democrat legislatures, it's good. And that's, I think, literally what we're seeing happening here, right? We we see a state that has decided. Let's just, I'm just going to focus on my state because California is its own little entity sometimes. But my here in my state... Even the Republicans are being paraded out on the local news to praise the governor for his actions. And by the way, we're in the middle of a gubernatorial race. So if there ever was an opportunity to say, this guy's screwing things up, this would be it, wouldn't it? Or they could be going, was it Wendell Wilkie? Who was the Republican that ran against Roosevelt in 40 and 44? That basically his entire campaign was, he's doing fine, don't vote for me. He's doing fine, don't vote for me. I mean, that's that's kind of what we've come down to. There is, of course, a constitutional angle on this. And while some might be arguing, well, he's, he's violating our First Amendment. He's violating our 14th Amendment. Those are certainly legitimate arguments that we learned about in Jacobson versus Massachusetts 1905 last week when we talked about that. We learned about those elements of this, and I understand that. Okay? Those are certainly in play. But beyond that, there's not a whole lot of people going, banging the drum, saying, this isn't isn't constitutional, because, as we discovered, it is. But that goes a step further, doesn't it? It goes a step in another direction where perhaps we have not necessarily considered. Tennessee's tweet. I didn't realize we, UI, and him lived in a country where a local political official could order private businesses closed. Well, why didn't he realize that? I mean, this guy works for the Wall Street Journal. Isn't that supposed to be a conservative bastion of of constitutionality? What does the Constitution say? Say, Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3, No state shall, without the consent of Congress... Lay any duty of tonnage, keep troops, ships of war, in time of peace, enter any agreement or compact with another state or with foreign power or engage in war, unless, dot, 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 actually invaded or in such imminent danger as will not admit of delay. Now, if the president can call a caravan an invasion, and in fact, Many times, and many of you that listen to this show, likened that invasion to a virus and a, and a disease invading one's body. Cannot a state government sort of liken it the same way and say, we're being invaded by the coronavirus? And in any case, even if you don't want to say that, can't you look at this and go, well, <laughs> you know, there's a there's an element here of this that, that we've got to consider. And it's that unless actually invaded or in such eminent danger as will not allow, admit of delay. Which is an old English word, old old way of saying it. Won't ASAP. We got to do this now. We can't wait for Congress. We can't wait for the president. We can't wait for the federal government to do things. We have to act on our own behalf. Now again, this speaks of the concept of federalism, which is states res- retaining such powers as you know anything not allowed, uh, not. Delineated in the Constitution, enumerated in the Constitution, the states reserve those rights. One of the states, one of the rights the states reserve is the right to declare state of emergency, which can be used then in repel an invasion or in such danger as is imminently present and not stoppable by the federal government. So the states then declare the states of emergency which is then again and not in it's not unconstitutional because it says right there that they can do that. And in order to defeat that we're no longer in the arena of they're suppressing my right to speech, they're invading my privacy, they are taking away my right to assemble and, and which is guaranteed under the 14th amendment equal equal protection and equal uh, e- equal protection under the law under the 14th amendment all that goes out the window because why It's right there in it. Such imminent danger. An existential danger that the states are authorized then to declare their own states of emergency, their own issues with this, their own state of emergency, if you will, which then broadens the powers of any state government. Essentially, it makes a state government limitless in what it can and cannot do. I get it. You may not agree with that. You may not like that. You may be screaming at me on the email, going, that's outrageous. They can't do that. Okay. Make your argument in front of the court, because I guarantee you, which side I'm going to bet on. I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm not saying it's wise. I'm not even saying that I would do it if I were the government. What I'm saying is, that's what the Constitution actually says such emergency as will not admit delay, such circumstances, such an event, an invasion, as it were. And we started treating things that were not actually invasions, words, we started treating things that were not military as military actions. Why then wouldn't state governments now look at that and go, well, we're being invaded by the coronavirus, or there's no time to wait for Congress, which, you know, it's Congress, I mean they're notoriously slow, they're dragging their feet the president everybody's screaming at the president cuz he's not moving fast enough. He he waited too long even though he closed the borders, even though he did this, even though he did that, right? I mean that's the complaint. And so if he's not moving fast enough, then we're going to take the action. We're going to do it ourselves. And in this discovery of federalism that we the states have powers that differ from the federal government, we can then use those powers for good to defend our citizenry against this invasion of the coronavirus this existential circumstances circumstance that will not will not allow for delay and still be constitutional still be within the boundaries of the constitution as someone once said the constitution is not a suicide pact emergency powers are implicit in the constitution they're certainly implied there they're certainly enumerated there and the extent to which those ex- go is rather remarkable we almost never talk about it we don't we don't like to because you know we venerate abraham lincoln we think the world of him but we forget well some of us forget sometimes that he suspended the writ of habeas corpus during a state of emergency now the Constitution says he can do that, but how many of you know what that meant? How many of you know why? What? What the? What the ultimate result of a suspension of habeas corpus is? In essence, it allowed the government, the federal government, not the states, but the federal government, to basically arrest anybody they wanted, throw them in jail for as long as they wanted. They didn't have to. They didn't have to produce the uh, the the, corp, the corpse. They didn't have to. They didn't have to show cause to keep them. Later on, during World War I, Congress would act and they would pass the the updated Alien and Sedition Act and start throwing people who disagreed with it, who criticized the government during World War I, into jail. Charge them with a crime and throw them into jail for 20 years. Existential powers are, sorry, not existential, but existential dangers result in expanded powers when these states declare this emergency. And therein lies... The rub, doesn't it? Okay. I don't think you're going to get much serious argument. You're going to get, I I know that there's some of you out there that believe this because you keep sending me stuff. And let me assure you that I get about a sentence into it and then I move on. You're welcome to keep sending it, but okay. I know there's a lot of you that believe that this whole thing is fake and phony and all that, and that's fine. You can believe that or you want. I'm not convinced that it's the tragedy that, they've, that it's been made out to be, nor am I convinced that it's fake, nor am I convinced of that. I think there's a long corporate memory in our, in our heads of things that have happened before. I think there's a great mm, willingness to be influenced by things like TED Talks by Bill Gates and, and movies with Sandra Bullock and the likes of that. I, 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 think we're, I think we're reacting the way we think we're supposed to. That said, there's no one who seriously questions whether or not we should have some reaction. The level of that reaction is the only thing up for debate. But nobody is really taking on the states. Nobody's taking on Ensley and saying, or Newsom saying, you've gone too far. Nobody's in the streets with pitchforks. Nobody's burning anything down right now in protest. Nobody is so sold in their hearts on the First Amendment's speech, assembly, religion, that they're willing to to go do that. Which tells me that it's a, it's a head thing, not a heart thing. And just like Republicans who discover Keynesian economics and Democrats who discover federalism, we're willing to... <laughs> We're willing to go with the force majeure. We're willing, to, we're willing to be flexible, as it were, with the situation. And we want to do what benefits myself and my family and my friends and my extended circle best. And if that does that, well, okay, it deviates from my things that I say I believe. But does it really? It might, believe, disagree, it might disagree with the things you say you believe. But when the rubber meets the road, where are we at? The real concern that I have is, is twofold. Number one, how do we know when this is over? There's a report out of China today that the nitrous, uh, nitrous oxide, nitrous dioxide emissions are increasing, which means that they are running the machines that build the stuff that we buy cheaply here. <clears throat> do they think it's over? How will we know when it's over? I know they are not as to equal zero. I get that. I understand that technical element of it. But when will we know that? Because now, right now, we don't even know how many cases we have, and the cases are guaranteed to go up as they test more and more, and people are going to panic even more and more and more. Right? I mean, that's that's the direction we're headed right now. How will we know when this is over? Number two, my bigger concern is: what's the next emergency? What's the next? Emergency. No matter how you like this, I mean, people like David Hogg, you know, don't let this administration address COVID nineteen like our national gun violence epidemic. We need we need action on all this right away. We need we need we need action on that. We don't need a bunch of prayers. We don't need a bunch of that stuff. We don't need a bunch of this. What we need is action that we approve of. Well, we've already had presidents, candidates, who said that they would declare a national emergency on guns. What if a state governor decides that it's a national, it's a state emergency, that it's an existential threat in his, and since the Congress isn't acting quickly enough, well, unless no admission of delay. We'll not admit delay. Congress won't act, so we're going to. If you can suspend habeas corpus, if you can suspend assembly, if you can suspend speech, if you can suspend religious practice how hard is it to suspend anything else? you know, trials by jury, quartering, guns. it's just that's what's concerning me here. that's where i'm having problems with what's going on. and i don't know how this is going to end, but democrats discovering federalism might not be all that great for liberty. that's all i'm saying. I got to get going. Take the time right now. Tell the people that matter in your life you love them very much. You'd miss them if they weren't there, so don't pass up those opportunities. You don't want to have that regret. See you next time, right here on The Dave Bowman Show. Dave Bowman Show is a Slippery Fish Entertainment production for the Podcast 99 Internet Radio Network. For more information or to complain about how the show offended you, the text or voicemail number is 209-565-DAVE. For more information about the show, log on to the Hey, I'm going to go do something productive. I'm going to go watch television.